Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Creed 3 is hitting theaters. We will have our reviews as well as some box office talk. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 251 of Real Blend, a podcast that still can't believe the top secret plot twist. Jonathan Majors plays Clubber Lang's son in Creed 3. Sorry to ruin it for everybody. But uh, yeah, that's a big one on this week's show. Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, Creed 3, is hitting theaters. By the way, that's not, the, that's not true. I just want to let everybody <laughs> I want to let everyone know before they went to this episode that I didn't just ruin Creed 3 for them. Uh, we will have a review for the movie later on in the episode, though, uh, as well as our box office predictions for the film. And we're going to talk a little box office uh, results with Ant-Man 3 and Cocaine Bear and some of the things that have been settling in before we get to the huge March releases. Um Let's get into the show. Let's introduce the boys, starting with Kevin McCarthy, Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hello, Kev. How are you, Hi, sir? Sean, Jacob, <laughs> Gabriel. Good to see you guys. We are, we're, all, we're all fresh back from Los Angeles from Shazam 2, and uh, we will fresh have... have we're, we're about to be fresh back there in yeah, less than 24 hours. And we'll have, be having a, uh, a guest on our show from Shazam 2, so make sure oh. you stay tuned for the week of March 17th. This is really uh, cool is that people now direct message me on social media to ask which guests we're going to have upcoming. Like people seem invested in who we're getting. My and, mom uh, loves to DM you, by the way. She's she she's very, <laughs> very uh, on top. I, I, no joke, by the way. And this, I, know we, I, make, I make a joke about my mom and dad all the time listening to our show. My mom and dad text me every Friday night now with a photo of their television oh of God. our show. And they text me jokes throughout the week about things that we've said like kid and pop pop and all this like like my parents are like <laughs> they're like they're genuinely like listening so i know for a fact that when this episode drops on friday that yes. my parents will be spending their friday night with an hour and a half of our show so hi mom we hi love dad you guys. yeah we thank love you, you guys. Thank and they, you so they, they text me all the your... time about you guys they say tell the guys i love them and say hi so oh my god yeah, on the flip the side, I cannot emphasize enough how much my parents do not listen to this show. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. They're still That's listening Jake to. They still listen to real talk, though, right? They just think it's you. Oh, they, they they just didn't. They, they I mean, they were stuck on a real on a words blend. They don't understand why yeah, why we yeah, stopped. Yeah. Jan and Keith are. Uh, they, need, they need to get on that. Jake Hamilton of uh, Fox Five, Fox Thirty Two. Wait, Fox Thirty Two in Chicago. I've only done this two hundred fifty one. Uh, I was about to say, what number episode is this? Yeah, I know it's been a long time. Um, I'll tell you something that's really sweet while we're talking about parents as well, too. My mom is trying to read uh, with great power and she doesn't know a single thing about Spider-Man or <laughs> movies. So I, I try to think uh, often about like how she is trying to process what is going on in that book. Because right. it's not really for casual fans. Um, <laughs> has she has she so. talked to you about it? Like like how she's feeling about it as she goes through? Yeah, she does. She'll come in and sort of let me know that, like, you know, this sort of story was interesting. And but she doesn't know, like, Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland. She doesn't know who these people are. So I guess they're like fictional characters to her now. And she's following fictional their characters. Fictional, fictional characters. Uh, if you are like Kevin's uh, parents and you're watching us on YouTube. Hello. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, head down. Give us a like and a subscribe while you're here. Join us here each week. We have a notification crew that chimes in not only on uh, Friday mornings, but then we have a West Coast notification crew that chimes in around noon to one Eastern Standard Time. A lot more engagement in the comments. Thank you guys, everybody, for posting down there. Sometimes we even go in and weigh in and say hello back. Um, if you want to join us in the video form, head to YouTube.com 
backslash real blend podcast of course we're available all the different places you get your podcast needs met sign up for real blend premium to get additional content from the show that's a new episode every monday uh as well as a newsletter from me and an ad-free version of the show uh you guys know the drill by this point go to the description where you're listening right now for information on how you can sign up for the real blend premium all right let's get into some talking points for the week starting with box office conversation and uh the fact that Ant-Man and the Wasp managed to hold off Cocaine Bear. It made $32 million to Cocaine Bear's 23.3, so closer than certainly I thought it was going to be. Uh, That pushes Ant-Man 3 to $364 million worldwide. Uh, And Jake, do you think that's a good number for a Marvel Studios film that came out in February with very little competition? Um. No, no. And, and, and here's here's why I'm going to say why is because I, I really feel like for Marvel, the the win doesn't come from week one, but week two, because okay. it has established over the last, what, 15 plus years that there is an automatic built in group of people who are going to go see the film no matter what it is. Now, that sure. that that built in group can sort of expand, you know, here or there. But for the most part, like it knows it's going to do a certain amount of well. The big question is how much a Marvel film uh, bleeds beyond the people who are going to see a Marvel film, no matter what, into the general audience of like, I'm just going to go see a movie and the movie I'm just going to go see just so happens to be a Marvel movie. And I think that weekend two was a very clear indicator that outside of the people who are on the bandwagon, who are going to go see a Marvel movie, no matter what, that Ant-Man had very little appeal to anyone who's not drinking the Marvel Kool-Aid as of right now. Um, so I, I'm going to go. As, yeah, 70 uh, percent. Yeah. One of the one of the biggest drops for a superhero movie that crossed over 100, opened to more than 100 million dollars. Uh, I'm sorry. You, you can't justify that number other than this movie doesn't appeal to anyone who's not a Marvel fan. I, I don't yeah, I don't you know how you the- how you say that number to, in, in any other way. Have you well, think the reviews heard it? Because the reviews were pretty harsh. Well, I think I mean I think the obviously the reviews are part of it. I also feel like it's genuine Marvel fatigue. I, I feel like we are in a space now where I was talking to someone the other day, and I won't like say specifically who it was because I, I was I think it was more off record that but than anything else. But I think in Kevin terms, Feige. yeah, it was Kevin Feige. No, um, <laughs> but in terms of the industry right now, I'm I'm in a headspace where I'm way more excited about. DC than I am Marvel um, only because I'm not sure where DC's going other than what James Gunn has already pointed out to us. Now there's two things that are important here. One, you mentioned the 70% or 69% drop. I was trying to figure out this is the second largest drop for a Marvel film uh, in the MCU. What is the first? I couldn't, I was trying to research this. I may have been, I I keep reading articles that it's the second worst, but I can't see what the first one is. And Gabe can look that up. Um, Effort that. Yeah, please. Cause I, I mean, I kept, that was the headline when on Monday, when the article was like Eternals, Eternals got a, I don't know. But also, you know, like Spider Man No Way Home had a pretty substantial drop, and that's coming off of. 60 something percent is kind of average for a a major. Yeah, but there's a giant difference between 60% and 70%. Sure. Yeah, it's 10 percent. And and, thank you. And 70 percent of not a huge opening is 
is worse. Like Spider-Man open to yes. gigantic numbers. A yeah. 60% drop still put you at a pretty yeah. good number. So. 60% off of 300 is a lot different than 70% off of 100. Well, I think one of the things that's fascinating, it's funny, I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out what the first one is, because I, I was I, the, when the headlines came out that it was the second worst, I'm like, what's the first? And then would, it, would, it have been, uh, would it have been a, a Thor film? Would it have been a Love and Thunder? Or, I think Love and Thunder is right after it. I think I think Love and Thunder is the third. I could be wrong. I, I just I just I, I wanted to clarify. But regardless, to answer your question, it's not a good number. Uh, I think it actually shows. It's not I don't even think it's really a statement about Ant-Man. I think it's a statement about Marvel. Um, but, um, okay, but, I, but I don't I do you really think that I'm sorry to interrupt, but like to your point, do you think I, I don't think Guardians is going to have that kind of right, drop? I think, it'll, you, I think it'll have a, a higher I, number and a lower drop. How do you explain Thor? Well, I, here's, I, the, I just, here's the thing. I think Marvel is is still a little bit project specific. Um, I don't think it's a blanket. Every Marvel movie is going to do well. And to, to, for Guardians, to answer your question, Guardians will I think do there's well. Something, there's something special about that movie because yeah. it's James Gunn coming back to finish that franchise and they are beloved characters. Correct. But I don't but I don't think the Marvels is going to do very well. I think the Marvels is going to fall in that Ant-Man Thor Love and Thunder range because there isn't a ton of love for that character necessarily. Yeah. Um, and and there isn't a ton of hype. There wasn't a ton of hype around Ant-Man necessarily. Sure. Even though right. Paul Rudd is, you know, people like Paul Rudd in the role, but it's not like you're going crazy about, you know, the conclusion of a yeah. franchise the way that Guardians is. So I think, Gabe I think Guardians might, will do really well. Gabe might have an answer. Yes, Gabe. So, so what I'm reading, this was from a few days ago, is that it's actually the worst. It's number one at 69% oh. drop. Second is Black Widow's 67.8. Mm. And then Love and Thunder's 67 and then I believe this is fourth Eternals at 62. OK, so then. So. All right. So that's that's an interesting an actual chart in front of me. But it's this is from a, a, an article that I'm looking. This is an interesting landscape then to look at. So Thor, I would argue, is a more popular character than Ant-Man. I mean, I don't think that's that's uh, clearly right. So absolutely. And he's going, one of the OGs. Well, right, so Ant-Man is too, but way more so than Ant-Man is. But going back to my point, then. So if there's not Marvel fatigue, why is there that drop on the on the on a Thor film? Well, that Thor film wasn't really cool. I mean, I liked it, but, but it's still a, a Thor movie. Kind of shit on it. Yeah. It's still a Thor yeah. movie, though. Yeah. I mean, I guess my point being is that, like, yes, Guardians will Guardians will do well. And I think Guardians will not have the drop that this I, I, I again, we're, we're, we're talking about the future here. I see Guardians getting great reviews. I see Guardians not having a drop like this. Well, here's um, here's a difference, though. Percentage is, a, is, a, is, you know, obviously still a big deal, but. Uh, Quantumania opened to 104 million, where Thor: Love and Thunder opened to, yeah, opened to 144. Okay, so it had but a still, lot more. To, it had a lot more to yeah. drop. Like it right. probably dropped that much, and then still more people went and saw it. Yeah, but, but I do. But hurt? I. But it isn't. It, this is also the biggest Ant Man opening. Just so we'll clarify that in terms it of domestic, from what I understand, of the franchise. And yeah. so it's important to note that I think I think I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make a blanket statement that. There's a general Marvel fatigue. I do believe now I will say this and I, I walk around my newsroom and people talk to me about Marvel all the time. The sense that I'm getting from audiences who are just going to see Marvel films is they feel fatigued by Marvel. And I think <laughs> right. this goes this goes back to the point I was making on one of our shows last week about the stakes. And I feel like this idea that there's there, there, there's no 
Quantumania basically starts and ends exactly where at the same place. And, well, and so, like, like, I don't know what that movie that. did for me, like in terms of phase five and making me more excited to go forward. The point that's the point I'm making is I think audiences are starting to gather that well, they can like, walk into yeah. one of these movies and it's just going to be. There, there's no actual emotional stakes for this anymore. Like it just feels like it's just money being printed, and I don't feel that the the art is there as much. It feels too business and commercial. Somebody brought up this point as well too, and it speaks to a little bit what you're saying. Um, the multiverse saga that, that we're currently in under Marvel has set up a, a situation that if anyone dies, you can bring back countless versions of them that's the you, point i was making them. yes it's like yeah. it's like, like 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 if ant-man again i'm not gonna spoil anything but like let's say for example like at the end of ant-man ant-man wasp everyone died yeah the next in my head i would just go oh well they'll just be back through another they window of etc and like yeah i i don't, don't want to say anything spoilery here but i we'll, want to ask yeah, yeah. um i want to ask while, while we're discussing box office um which we'll actually add this ant-man to our tier list in a little bit so we maybe we'll discuss ant-man 3 a little bit more um but i don't want to ask you guys do you think that it crosses one do you think that it crosses 200 million domestic it's at 160 yes right now almost yeah i think so yeah. i, I right? don't think it i don't think it'll cross 500 million global though 364 it's gonna get to 500 million it did i don't know if it's opened in china yet i know that's a huge market and it's getting china but i don't know i think that's you know i don't know i mean the competition between now and i guess john wick would be the next well i guess shazam's a big one obviously march 17th i know we got to keep going um but i do a big one I do want to point out Cocaine Bear because I know this is we're, t- we're discussing the box office here. And I think I think. Yeah, w- I don't one thing, get to that. It's important to note this because Cocaine Bear, I believe I want to say the budget uh, was I somewhere saw, around. I saw 30 to 35 was what 30 I saw to 35. Yeah. yeah and, it, and by the way, sometimes on the show, if you hear me questioning things or us questioning things, we're just trying to get things right. Um, but in terms of the Cocaine Bear box office and the amount of money that made, that's an R rated Original film, obviously, it's based on a on inspired by true with, events. With cocaine in the title. With cocaine in the <laughs> title, and Elizabeth Banks even told me this, which, which I thought was really interesting. They had they, their their marketing was limited, but it, the limitations actually made made it grassroots, which is really cool. Like uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks told me they couldn't put their trailer on Apple trailers because it had the word cocaine oh, wow. in it, and wow. and I remember saying to her, I was like, I was like, but but actually, you ended up benefiting from that because the word of mouth calling your film because that was the whole thing was like do we call it cocaine bear and limit our reach but you know if you're driving around LA and you see a billboard for that it's you know you're going to text your friends immediately dude what the heck is cocaine bear and then boom and then everyone in my newsroom dude this was actually really interesting I'm glad we're talking about box office so a lot of people that work in my newsroom don't go to the theaters a lot. I mean, they, they, they go for Top Gun, they go for Avatar, they go for these big ones. But then there's every once in a while, there's one that randomly just becomes interesting to everybody in my newsroom. My weatherman and my one of my floor directors went out this weekend to go see Cocaine Bear in theaters, um, okay. which is and neither of them went and saw Quantumania. Now, I'm not saying do with that what you want to do with that I mean, information. But yeah, I think it just starts to show you that 
there's an interesting marketing element to what's going on with Universal and and these and these original films that they're doing. I mean, they're just crushing it. Black Phone, um, you know, Sino Smile was Paramount, but they're these these one off like interesting original strange ideas are just capturing. It doesn't have to be a franchise all the time, right? Yeah. And it's a that's a really cool I, thing I think to see. I think that's a a lesson that the industry has constantly learned, which is that audiences to reduce it down to the the most vague thing possible like things that are fresh that feel right. new that feel original mm-hmm. and even though marvel was based on marvel ip it the felt MCU fresh was new yeah the mcu yeah. was original like in that and that sustained that for a long time whereas now to the larger point yeah maybe getting I, but, you, but i want to while we're talking about weekend drops I do think Cocaine Bear is going to have a big one. Of course um, it will. Because I think the yeah. novelty of seeing it, like it, it's front loaded, right? People who are vaguely interested in seeing something unique like that are going to go opening weekend. But right. it did it's bigger than much... I think anyone thought, though. I think it did bigger than anyone thought oh, it would definitely. do. And yeah, I think, definitely. you know, by the time it gets to we're talking. OK, so if the budget is 30 to 35, let's 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 be let's be uh, reasonable. And let's say they probably got a clear 50, 60, right, with P&A and all the advertising, whatever sure. it would be. Um, you know, people, you know, when you say a budget of a movie, you got to add on all the all the different uh, promotions sure. and commercials and everything. Cocaine Bear is going to be green for sure. I mean, once that yeah. once that I mean, the, I, the, think it, that, it, I think that it's opening weekend is a good indication yeah. of of not its legs at the box office, but, but the that VOD. there are going to be, exactly, there are going to be a lot yeah. of people who are interested in watching it on VOD. Yeah. Like that many people were interested yeah. to see it. And dude, uh, absolutely. Like, honestly, and like, so the, as, as a consumer, I'll be, I'll, I'll just be completely transparent here. Um, I'm, I mean, what I do for a living is we obviously go to the movies a lot. We have to see screenings a lot and there are f- certain films we can't get to. There's certain films we sit there so they send screeners for. Sometimes the screeners don't work. So when I covered plane, Um, my screener expired like halfway through the film. So I wasn't able to finish it. And I was just sitting in my apartment one day and I went on iTunes. It was $20 to rent the film. And I clicked available right now. Yeah. And I rented it and I had a blast. I thought it was amazing. Now I would love to have seen the theater. Don't get me wrong, but that $20 that I spent on that ticket goes right. You know, I don't know the percentage of where it goes into, but, but they're making that money. So to Gabe's point about cocaine bear, you know, let it continue in theaters, probably do a couple more weeks. I bet you it's on I bet you it's on VOD by three weeks from now. Probably dollars. Does twenty dollars mean you own it or you watched it once? So that's how they get you. And I think it's actually smart. You can rent it for nineteen ninety nine. Now, remember, so there's yeah. there's different tiers of rental. So if it's out for a while, it's five ninety nine. Like I rented Triangle yeah. of Sadness recently. And that's in theaters mm-hmm. still. But that was five ninety nine to rent. Playing gives you the option of nineteen ninety nine to rent or twenty four ninety nine to buy. And I, I clicked buy because I was like, you know what? You, yeah. I mean, for an extra, an extra five dollars four ninety nine. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I'll it watch gross it again. Renting it for 20. For I know yeah. you can keep it. It feels and, it feels uh, right. a little opulent to be like, so, well, and they know, like, like, like Kevin said, right. they, they know they exactly. there was an entire yeah. meeting about like yeah. five, five, five extra yeah. dollars. Yeah. And so, dude, so, so the next day, I mean, I'm just I'm using this as an example of 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 of, of what Gabe's point is about about VOD. So I watch plane the next morning I go into my off my station and I know that my news director is a big action film fan. He loves like like these like the 80s, 90s, like the B action films, the ones that are just like you turn your brain off, just kind of have fun with it. I was like, dude, you got to watch this movie. It's 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 right up your alley. It's 95 minutes. It's called plane. It's just, my culture's great in it. Everyone's great. Next day, him and his wife 
logged on, spent $20, and watched it. And the way I justified it to him, I was like, dude, think about it this way. $10 a ticket, it's like going to the movies. And again, I'm using that as a chain of events because then my other news director now wants to watch it because of that conversation. So you're talking about $20 plus $20, that's $60 between three people, and that's going to continue adding up. So these studios, like with films like Cocaine Bear, they'll clear a good amount in theaters. There's a lot going on on those iTunes purchases. There's a lot happening there. Gabe, do you know if that factors at all into box office? No, it would be home video. Okay, but like, so why don't we have a split? Nowadays, I feel like uh, we should be talking about that a little more. Like, how much? Like, how much money did well, Top Gun make on VOD? It must have made fair, millions. Movies, movies were making way more on VOD or on video back in the day. Yeah, that's that was always yeah. It was never a part of box office, and home video was like a, an actual market. Like, but this were, is different though, though. That we have movies that are playing in theaters while they're here in our home. So that, that's why it's, I'm, just, it's different. Yeah. It's a little different, but it's not um, it's not the same. It's not the box office. Like, that's yeah, no, thing. like it's not reflect. Yeah. I think the box office is a is a tool for people to sort of um, gauge how many people go. It's very strictly about getting out of your house, mm-hmm. going to a different building and sitting down with strangers and watch like that. Like the purchase of that ticket says a lot about what it took to get you 100%. there versus versus. So I think those are always going to be separate because it's a metric that sort of defines but one aspect of the business versus how other. much money did top, I, I would love but to but if, to your point though. That has always like, I think that that's, that's a great, I don't know what those numbers are. I would be curious. I would how, love to know top guns. VOD. Healthy, I would love to know how healthy the VOD is in general in the industry yeah. because home video was a very like uh, sustainable and viable lucrative, lucrative yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Part of the business that that that's why everyone freaked out when the Internet came along, because there were right. movies that they spent tens of millions of dollars to make going not going to make much in the knowing it's not they're not not, not going to sell tickets at the box office, but we're going to sell a bunch of DVDs, right. or VHS and some merchandise like like they, they were putting budget into Movies that weren't straight to to home video, but they knew we were going to make their money in home video. And that is a factor in, too, that like it used to be you'd buy the DVD, but now things go right to streaming. Like you say Top Gun. Top Gun's a bad example because Cruise fought so hard to keep it in theaters. So it didn't go to VOD as quickly as it would have. But when it went to VOD, I'm telling you. I would love to see those numbers. If anybody listening well, to our quickly, show right now, how quickly did it hit? Uh, it would no. It was in theaters for like months before it went to VOD. But yeah, yeah, when, but, was it on, but, but, but when VOD hit though, year, it was I a big, it was. It, it was a big deal when it hit VOD because I, the reason why I know that is my parents don't go to theaters. So right. I, they were waiting for that rental. That's right. why. And I'm, then how quickly I'm, did it hit Paramount plus? Right. Like it was also, was way it later. There? Yeah. W- okay. it, like it was on VOD for like, I want to say a month or so. I could be but wrong. That was Cruz holding yeah. on to that. Again, that's that an wasn't anomaly. Necessarily. That is an anomaly. If you get the chance, there's a great like Matt Damon interview moment where someone asks him why movies like uh, Good Will Hunting don't exist anymore. And he basically chalks right. it up to the absence of the video market. And he talks exactly. about behind the candelabra and how like the money worked on stuff like that. And he was like, those sort of middle tier movies were never ex- meant to make money in theaters, but you could always count on banking whenever they hit a blockbuster shelf you take away that money and you can't you can't justify oh. the expense on on a movie like a goodwill hunting or a behind the candelabra anymore 
Okay, so I don't. I, I know we got to move on, but I, I just found this. I thought this was interesting. Real quick, um, this is from the numbers.com, So take that with what you will. They kind of um, replace box office for a lot of people. It's a good. Okay, side. so we'll call the the, 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 the numbers.com. So it made one point four eight billion at the box office, according to this website. Estimated DVD sales are seven million. Estimated Blu-ray sales are seventeen million. Estimated domestic video sales total is twenty five million. Twenty five million just in the. Physical discs. Okay. Think about so, however much money more it made on VOD before it came out on physical disc. I mean, damn, man. That's that's, that's a lot of money, man. That's more money than Fableman's made an entire theatrical run it made on home video. Oh, Top Gun's good. All right. Let's get to the uh, Fableman's is amazing. (laughs) I know. I know. I just. Stir in the pot. Um, we're going to add Ant-Man 3 to the Marvel tier list, the ongoing Marvel tier list. And this is going to be uh, Gabe and Kevin and myself uh, figuring out where it fits because Jake hasn't seen it. And um, I guess, can I say, Jake, that you don't intend to see it? Can I, can I throw I that mean, out there? I mean, you'll see it eventually. Yeah, I'll see it eventually, but it sort of falls under that umbrella. We talk a lot about how, like, you know, movies are our job, but whenever we miss something, whether it be because yeah. we missed a local screening or we miss a junket, uh, and particularly because that combined and coupled with the fact that I just don't really give a shit, it makes it hard for me to take the initiative to go out to my local theater and fork over 15 to 20 bucks for a movie that I genuinely know that I'm probably just going to go meh at. So I'll get around to seeing it. It'll be on Disney+. Plus in about 18 minutes and then i'm sure i'll come back and be like yeah you know well if you're uh if you're watching at home you uh you can see our beautiful ugly beast of a tier list audio listeners i recommend pulling up the youtube feed for this segment because it is uh it is helpful to see this mess that we've put together over the last year or so that we've been doing this um but let's get right into it because we have uh we have a tight schedule today for me, we, you can listen to our review and our review episodes. We won't dive completely back into uh, Ant-Man 3. And I will start us off, and I'm curious where you guys are at, given um, how you felt a couple weeks ago when we reviewed it. I couldn't put this above a C, and it's trending C- minus for me. I don't necessarily Ooh. feel like putting it in D. Ooh. It has a lot of problems that I, I wouldn't be completely upset about a D, but I felt like it had enough fun things that I liked that a C sounds... Sounds right in the Marvel universe. I am also with you on the C trending C minus. Um, and I think C is probably where I'm most leaning towards even before you said your rating. Um, and, and again, I'm not going to rehash what we said last week, uh, but, you know, it is a film. I'm a huge Ant-Man fan, major Ant-Man. I, first Ant-Man is one of my favorite movies in, Mar- in the MCU. Um, I just thought it was so inventive and so interestingly well done. And Michael Pena was so great and everybody was great in it. But um, this was just disappointing to me. And and just in, in, a, in a two sentences, I just don't feel like there were any stakes. And I thought that the Jonathan Majors, while he was great as as, as Kang, uh, I, I did want to point this out because I, I, I kind of I botched this last week. And Sean, I wanted you to clarify this for me as well. I kept saying that, like, he played a better version of Kang in Loki, but that was actually not Kang. Right. That was. Well, it's he, it's Kang, but it's a variance. I know, but what, yeah. but what, what was he called? He's the he, was called, he, he who remains. Yes. He who remains. Who so was, I want. Yeah. So I under, I understand for people who you commented right, though. Yeah, but but technically speaking, he had not become Kang the Conqueror yet. So well, speak, uh, you right. know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the the point that I always took you were making 
or, or the point you were making that I always took performance was that you would prefer the big bad was this characterization, which is yes. true. Like they are all Kang. They're different versions of Kang. I saw a story where I forget who I don't think it was maybe a Feige quote or something. They were one of the writers maybe of um, Quantum Media where they were talking about they deliberately are trying to un um, Thanos Kang at the start of okay. his arc. Like they're, they don't want him to come in and be. Thanos, yeah, like they're deliberately doing the opposite, and I assume that's all that's set up for what's to come. Well, then so also uh, killing to, him to, to, or whatever in in Loki and all of that. Yeah. Okay. To take that a step further, I also saw an article where the writer of Quantumania said, "I didn't know Kang was going to be the big main <laughs> villain." So he wrote that entire movie with Kang having no idea that right. there was like any sort of a long term set up for for this character That's which is just like which actually makes sense to my problem with like there's such a disconnect like they don't talk none of the actors know what's going on because they make them pop in and fill there's just such a disconnect with marvel um which is why i'm not participating in this tier list also uh but that's funny to jake's point just now it was just really interesting i felt that in the movie because and again we, well, no spoilers but there's something about the direction they take kang within quantumania that felt um, it didn't feel like it was solidified as to what it wanted to be. And like there were like and, and you wanted this again. And I, and I get that they're you know, they're not trying to make him Thanos. But when you're dealing with a villain at that level who's supposed to be the, you know, the setup of, you know, phase five and all these things, um, there were there was something inconsistent about the level of what his powers were. We discussed yeah. this in the show. We didn't but know I, I, like what his powers were. It felt confused. I know we don't need to rehab, rehash this conversation because we had this exact well, conversation. We're doing a tier list. So I'm just explaining. No, no, no. It, yeah. I'm, I'm saying before what I say. I'm I'm also yeah. going to repeat what I said a couple weeks ago. But it's the first move. Like it's the first movie. Like it's 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 not just Phase Five. Like in theory, Thanos was the big bad of three or four fa- three phases. So it, it would be kind of exhausting if he was already like fully realized Kang and we understood everything at this point. So it, I give them the benefit of the doubt of it being whatever it is. Doesn't mean that the movie was as entertaining as it could have been. So see, obviously yeah, uh, Sean, you C. haven't, you haven't told us where you're at. Uh, I I'm in the B tier. If, I, if I'm anything, I'm, if I'm anything, I'm B trending towards B minus because I'm, okay. I'm not trending up on it. Okay. Um, but I liked it. I liked it a lot more than you guys did because, um, I thought the quantum realm ended up being a lot more interesting of a place to explore than I thought it was going to be uh, based on the early reaction. I thought it was going to look like really crappy CGI, like people coming out of the premiere talked about how how miserable it looked. And I didn't think that was the case at all. I thought, I thought it, it was really fine, yeah. creative and inventive. And yeah, I liked the new characters that they introduced. I thought they were funny. Um, the, the The people who were part of the rebellion you know that were fighting back against kang i thought that they were interesting characters i loved what it did for michelle pfeiffer who i think deserves a lot more do in these films and i thought she finally got a lot more to do um i i really liked jonathan majors so i give it i give it points for those reasons but i can't fault the fact like um hope van dyne has nothing to do necessarily i like the Uh, idea though that and i think maybe you said this sean that uh michelle pfeiffer is actually the wasp in the title and and the wasp which i I I hadn't thought about while i was watching it and i was like oh okay that makes more sense but the bill murray cameo is funny you know like i I think i think it had more going for it than it didn't have going for it but um i agree that i think it has problems in the end because i i think that there was a different ending i think that marvel is coming out of 
production problems they had to endure because of COVID. And so productions are still suffering from it a bit. Um, and maybe Guardians will be the first one that's completely free of issues. Um, and I do love the fact that Marvel seems to be spreading things out now. Like some of the shows are getting pushed back to next year to maybe give them more time in the production oven so that things look better um, and they don't get criticized for the, for these reasons. Um, so, and again, I know that we aren't supposed to do this, but I look at the films that are on C and I think that it's significantly better than a few of the ones that are on C, um, but yet not as good as some of the ones that are on B. So, right. But again, yes, was, for people who haven't joined a tier list, it's more of where would you grade it and then we average it. So the it yeah, is hard to reflect I liked on it our more, actual list. I'd put it in the B realm, but I, if, I, I can't uh, defend it enough if you all are going to put it in C. And you yeah. know what, for the third, for the third Ant-Man, that feels okay for me. And I'll, I'll tell you this, and I know we're going to get to this later in our segment, in our show, but after I saw Creed 3 and like the performance that Majors gives there, I just, it, it's night and day in terms of like. That's a different movie. That's a Tom Cruise. What? I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but is it in terms Spoilers, of Creed three is night and day. <laughs> in terms of like a character being a quote unquote villain and, and, and having this ominous aspect to the performance, like I felt way more worried about what was going to happen in Creed three than I did about anything in Ant-Man. And well, I don't Kevin, know what that says, but so that is an incredible tease for what's going to come on the other side of this break. Which is our Creed 3 reviews. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see you kids on the other side. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly, and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. All right, getting to this week in movies, or basically your pop culture entertainment, because The Mandalorian Season 3 uh, made its premiere earlier this week. And now, as Kevin sort of alluded to at the beginning of the episode, three of us have been traveling a lot for junkets. And so none of us have had the time to sit down and watch it just yet. But we that's catch the issue up with, with a Wednesday drop Wednesday morning drop. Right. Well, and Jake was mentioning, too, like it kind of feels like it flew under the radar a bit. Like, wait, I'm being honest. Is it out this week? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's out today. The first yeah. episode. Wait, it's out first today. Episode. Today. Yes. Like like yeah. Mandalorian used it's to be too a show much for me on. that like I would wake up early on a work day and Same. watch it. And th- at this point, there's no there's not even like a I wonder what's going to happen from the cliffhanger of season two, because that was resolved in the middle of Boba Fett. Boba Fett this, yeah, this this goes to what I say all the time. We are in a day and age where we are inundated with too much content. It's it, it's it's, it, it, it's and at the end of the day, it's like 
Mandalorian, Last it's of good Us. For our profession. It's good for our profession. But I want to. I do want to clarify this though. Like when you turn your television on and you have a thousand things to watch and you can't yeah. find one thing to watch. That is saying something. It's like opening the Cheesecake Factory menu and like not knowing what to order because there's just so many things. No, I love Cheesecake Factory. But dude, that menu is so overwhelming. It's like it's it's like it's literally like turning a television on or opening Netflix. But uh, the last thing I'll say about this is this. Nothing wrong with a lot of content. It just feels like nothing wrong with Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, it, their their mac and cheese balls are amazing. Um, no, no sponsor. Um, but yeah, we are but not the, sponsored by cheesecake. We are not. But the point I'll make we is could, this: we could be guys. Always leave Yet. the door open. We oh my god, be. we are just like the cast of The Big Bang Theory. All right, you guys. All right, I, I'm going to say this one thing, and then we can move on. You guys give me. You guys joke with me about how I talk about how I love the way Chris Nolan handles certain things about his trailers and being a little more precious and making sure people are at somewhere at a certain point to watch this and that. And I think the reason why I find that so special is because there really is not things don't feel as special anymore. Like I'm sitting here on Wednesday, March 1st, and I didn't know Mandalorian dropped today. And I work in this industry and like and and, and I love Mandalorian. It's a show that I'm obsessed with and I cannot wait to see this season. But as you mentioned, we're traveling. You know, we just we just got back from Creed three and Shazam. We're going to John Wick tomorrow. We're going to murder mystery next week. Our, our, Our heads are in different spaces. But I don't believe that just because we do what we do for a living, that we're the only ones who feel this way. I think sure. there are a, I think there's a lot to be said about having too much content. It's like it's why Quantumania. I think I had a problem with it because there's just it's it's too much. We have sure. too much I, access to things. And I think that's kind of um, made that issue like we've, we've been running up to that for a while now. But I think that's what's made that even worse is now all these projects across entertainment, like not just movies and TV and not that there are specific projects necessarily. I think a lot of it's coming out, but we we're backed up with, with the pandemic of things not coming out or productions being sort of stopped. And so I think this year in particular, when you look at the calendar, whether it's movies, TV, video games, whatever, there's a lot that's all coming out this year and it's even worse than, than it might normally be. I do want to push back slightly on that because I guarantee that there are people out there who this season premiere of Mandalorian was like Christmas Absolutely. morning for them. I'm yeah, not saying they had it's it not. circled on their calendar. Yeah. They were dying for the for new content from that. There are people who who are I'm invested in the that. Star Wars universe. They might not even pay attention to Marvel. They might not pay attention to Shazam. They they might just say you know Star Wars is coming. It it's a it's a um not a problem of our industry, but we have to be plugged into a lot of stuff. But there's a ton of people who can just pick and choose what they want to watch and, and wait for the things that they are super excited for. And they probably knew it was, it was here. Speaking of along those lines, we have a third Creed film. (laughs) I mean, the ninth franchise is franchise. And we're gearing up for the fourth John Wick and the sixth scream. So it's going to be a lot of sequel talk going out. Through March and the second Shazam. Um, I did not get to see Creed 3. I'm going to, I lumped Creed 3 into something. 65 movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I haven't Uh, seen 1 through 64, will I be caught up? Screwed. Be so lost. How long is John Wick 4? It's two two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 45 minutes. Someone told me the other day that it's like, it, if you could imagine John Woo's hard boiled and the killer having a baby, 
<laughs> this would be this movie. And I'm like, that it might be the best description I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I'm right. going. Ke- uh, Kev, keep going and dive into Creed 3 because yeah. um, I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, and you said, uh, I'll, I'll steal your thunder for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Best Creed th- best Creed in the in the trilogy. I said it's my favorite of the trilogy. Yes. Oh, um, favorite. OK. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and if you what Sean's referring to is what I said to Michael B. Jordan when I walked in the room, I said it's my favorite of the three. Um, and I mean that 100 uh, percent. This and Jake and I have a, a differing opinion on this. Um, but I first of all, I walked into this film excited primarily because of Jonathan Majors. Uh, I'm just really kind of hyped on him right now. Um, everything from Last Black Man in San Francisco to. Uh, you know, going forward to five bloods and obviously everything he's been doing with devotion and quantum mania. He's just a really exciting actor, but also someone well, that I think he has a movie called magazine dreams coming mm-hmm. out later this year that everyone I've talked to said Ant-Man and Creed three are just the appetizer to what he delivers in magazine dreams coming. Later I can't this wait. Year. So I mean, if that's a, if his performance in Creed three is an appetizer, then I, I want that full meal right now yeah. because that, that's coming that, performance his performance in creed 3 is outstanding like it's 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 one of my favorite performances i've seen in a long time there's something unhinged about it but also grounded in an emotional way for people who aren't familiar with the storyline basically dame his character and adonis were friends growing up dame was a boxer um and went away to prison for many many years comes back wants a title fight uh and it, you know, it follows the beats of what a Creed film or a Rocky film does. Sure, that is an accurate mm-hmm. statement. We're leading up to a big fight. That is not something that is inaccurate to say. That being said, it's the content for me that led up to it that I thought was the most interesting. The fights were incredible. Um, and it's the first sports movie to ever be shot on IMAX. I haven't seen the IMAX version yet, um, but he does go to the one nine zero ratio. If you do see it in an IMAX theater, it will expand during those scenes. For when? For the fights, you think? Yeah, I believe so. I, I know for the final fight, I don't know other scenes yet. I'm, I'm assuming it's the, the, the main fights. I, I haven't seen that version yet, but it is the first sports movie to ever use those cameras. Um, That's cool. Which is really cool. And so one of the things I will give Michael B. Jordan credit for, you know, this is a really tough task as a filmmaker and to lead your film and to deal with all the weight training and staying in shape, but also directing. Also, Stallone did it. Stallone directed a bunch of the Rockies. I'm not saying Stallone didn't do it. I'm just giving my opinion. Um, I think Michael B. Jordan is one of the most talented people um, working right now. Um, Go back to The Wire. But when I saw him in Fruitvale Station, it it changed everything for me. I I was just so blown away by what he did emotionally there. And so to see these performances throughout the years from Killmonger and then going here, he's he found he finds a way to play people in such a really special, grounded way that you can relate to it. Even if you've never lived that life or never been in that person's shoes, I feel like I am when I watch his his performances. Like I understand Killmonger. I understand why he's doing what he's doing, because Michael plays it with an empathy that's just so fascinating to me um with this particular film it's the dynamic between him and michael and 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 jonathan majors they're just outstanding Mm -hmm. together um there's a great clip that's been shown everywhere where like he walks up to jonathan majors as jonathan's standing on his car next to his car and he's like you know why are you standing on my car and it's and and there's a way michael approaches that scene which is just so it's so interesting and so fascinating when he realizes who he's talking to um another thing i love about this film is tessa thompson i think she's outstanding in these movies um the daughter they brought in mila davis kent i believe is her name um 
outstanding performance from her. Her character, she's a, a deaf actress who actually plays a deaf character in the film. Uh, it's awesome. really interesting how they how they interwove that into the story. Um, Felicia Rashad is outstanding. I love her in these movies, and she has scenes in this film that I think are some of the best of the franchise. Um, the fight scenes are outstanding. Some of the most incredibly shot boxing I've ever seen. It got to a point where I was sitting in the theater. I felt like I was watching a pay-per-view, like an actual pay-per-view. Like I, 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 I thought that I somehow logged on to a real live pay-per-view fight and I was watching it. Like I, I couldn't, I was so hyped for the Dame, the Damien and Adonis fight that I was like, it felt like I was like leading up and, and waiting for it to happen. I couldn't wait for it to happen. Um, and, and it delivers, uh, the training montage is one of the best that they've done in the Rocky franchise there. There's a shot in the training montage where Jonathan majors is crawling up these ropes in midair. And then, and then does pushups or pull-ups on the ropes. And it is, he is so disturbingly big in this movie. It's, it's shocking. Um, But emotionally to me, the fights are great. Emotionally, this is where the film delivers. Um, I think, there's aspects that they deal with bullying in the movie that I thought was really fascinating with his daughter going to school and Adonis dealing with this idea of physically fighting back versus Tessa's preference of the emotional aspect of standing up for yourself. Um, and then you just have this battle of your past and like the things that we shove down and the things that eventually always come back up in our lives. And if we don't deal with them. And I think that's, what's kind of the story and the thematic of what Michael's dealing with here. Um, I thought it was outstanding. I was, I was, I just felt something. And I told Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors as I left, when I left the rooms, thank you for making me feel something. Like, like I just genuinely felt it. And I won't well, go into star any star rating. I want to I'm star a four rating. and a half, four and a half out of five, four and a half. Okay. I love this movie. And I don't think I'm okay. the only one. I'm, I'm not a Rotten Tomatoes person, but I think it has like a 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not saying that that's, that's I saw, li- yeah, I saw a 90 yesterday. I'm not saying that I, means anything. Um, but I, I do believe that this is a crowd pleaser. It's it, it, it. I saw someone say this the other day. It's a, it's a people movie. It's a movie that you sit in a theater and it's electrifying the crowd. It's 91% with 102 reviews. Um, I just think That's he's great. an outstanding director. And I, and I, and I think I'm looking at the filmmakers he's worked with. I mean, Ryan Coogler obviously did the first creed. Listen, if you want to sit down and put these Creed one and Creed three on in Google film school, the first one no, and two, right? No, Stephen, uh, I believe Stephen Cable. Someone he, he was originally going to do oh. two, but he left for mm-hmm. Black Panther. Right. Oh, um, OK, gotcha. So, hey, if, we're, if you were to sit down in a film school class and throw on Creed one and Creed three and you were to say like, if you were to pick apart and dive into every detail of what's a better film you probably are going to look at Ryan's work and see a better filmmaker. And that's totally fine. Michael is, it's his first movie he's ever directed. You're talking about, a, a, you know, Ryan came from, Ryan is a born filmmaker. Ryan Coogler is well, a credit, filmmaker. He was still in his 20s, right? When he made Right. <laughs> and, like, I mean, mean, Ryan is incredible. Ryan is like a natural director, right? And like, you know, what the work he did on Fruitvale was so impactful that Creed, directing Creed at 29 or whatever it was, made perfect sense. And there are shots in Creed 1 and, and Wonders in that movie that are, are, are outstanding and mind-blowing. So if you were to sit down and go, what's Which the best? Which one has the wonder of they follow? him up into the ring that's green one. one that's, that's right one that's, that's a terrific Ryan shot 
Great shot. Terrific shot. Um, and that's, you know, classic Steadicam. Like, uh, and, that, and that's kind of like Rocky was like one of the, I think one of the first or the first, one of the first uh, to use that technology in a way yeah. of, uh, of feature storytelling. Because uh, Stone talks about that all the time. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I was, I was moved heavily by it. I was also cheering. I could not, I, I was so in the fight and I wasn't even watching it in IMAX. Um, I was all in, I was very pleased with it. Great soundtrack choice. Great. Some great Dr. Dre in there. Got some big Sean in there. The score is fantastic. It's shot really well and it's tight. It's not, it, 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 there's nothing, there's no fat on it. I thought, I thought it moved beautifully. And like, if you're going in just for the fights, that's fine. I was more in the middle stuff. The middle stuff was to me what was the heart of the movie. Um, I loved it. I was pleasantly surprised how much I loved it. I was concerned because of the lack of Stallone. And yes, Stallone is not in the film. We know that. Read up on any of the drama you want to. That's totally fine. I'm looking at the film itself as it is. And it worked for me. Jacob uh, Creed 3. So this is these sort of reviews for me are always fairly like boring and unsexy to do because like I don't dislike the movie. I'm just so indifferent and bored by it, to be honest with you. Um, it is it is far and away from me. My least favorite of the three. Um, Kevin is right that in that, you know, th- these movies, uh, as with any sports film, that it shouldn't be about like the moments where you get to see the sport played. It should be about how much you care about what's happening in between. It follows the same structure that most of the Rocky movies have followed, which just sort of felt like, again, I felt like I could have laid it out. And really, to me, these days, the only surprises that really come with these movies is like whether or not our hero is going to win or not, because Rocky goes back and forth as to whether or not our hero wins. That being said, for me, the reason that I I had such a hard time is I genuinely everything between the two fights, because there's a fight at the hour mark and a fight at the end. I just didn't care. Like it all felt very sort of like a generic version that we've of of a story that we've seen 10,000 times before uh, all sort of, you know, put together. It's it's a well-made version of a movie that we've seen a thousand times before. And, and Michael B. Jordan made a lot of directorial choices that makes me uh, excited about his skill as a filmmaker moving forward. Uh, and it's, but the film that he gave me, I just, I walked away going like, okay, like that's, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a Creed movie, I, I guess. Like I, I will say that I very much felt the absence of Rocky in this and not even so much the absence of Stallone being in the film, but this weird, what felt like a necessity to like almost pretend as if he doesn't exist and was never a part of Creed's story. The fact that like, I think maybe Rocky is maybe name dropped once in the entire film. The fact that we spend so much time in Adonis Creed's home with camera shots that pan over photos on the wall and memorabilia and history from his life and his career. And at no moment is there ever even like a shot of him and Rocky on the wall. Like it felt like by, by just completely removing him from the story, it it seemed to make his absence even louder and even felt more. I mean, it'd be one thing. It's one thing to like not have Stallone in the movie, but like it would have felt more organic to like at least acknowledge that like, in the real world, he would have a picture of him. He would have a picture of the man on his wall. He would have something in his home that acknowledges that this man has been a part of his life. So that absence felt big for me. What, if they, had, what if they had a falling uh, out in the world? I Well, then it needs to be addressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, this is pure speculation because you have me curious. I have not seen the movie. And not that we can discuss, not that we have anything to contribute to the drama behind the making of the movie. Sure. 
it, I wonder if there's a chance where if, like Stallone wasn't involved. He was like, you don't use like you can't use my likeness or like like. But I, I, thought, I, I thought the whole if, point was about like how he doesn't have enough of the rights. So I, I mean, does he even like no? He's like, a producer of the, the right movie. To, yeah, but yeah, but producer doesn't mean anything these days. No, he's not an EP. He's an actual producer. Yeah, but that, again, that doesn't always yeah. mean. Then I, it does. It, not not necessarily. Producer is a bigger deal than executive producer. I, I think that producer just because he still has some rights within producer the Rocky is a very franchise. Gray term, yeah. yeah, it could be. It can mean Ooh. a lot of different things. Anyway, I, like I said, completely just I, that's interesting. It may also be whoever, whatever the feud is with, yeah. may have been like, nah, we're not even. You know, there's yeah. drama that's for sure. Yeah. Don't give me, yeah, yeah. There's so, definitely drama. Know, again, I I thought I thought. Jonathan Majors was good. It wasn't quite the revelation of a performance that I think I was hoping to be. Everything about so so much about this movie for me kind of falls into that category of like it's good, but like could have been better, or it's good, but like I've seen it before. Like I got to be honest, I like Michael B. Jordan. I never thought within the Creed films that the Creed films really gave him like the meat to give the like the the performances that we've seen him give before like we've seen him given a Fruitvale station or we've seen him given a Black Panther I've always thought his Creed performances were on the weaker end of his collection of filmography so everything about that you know again it's the most unsexy review but I just sort of walked out going like I'll, I'll never think about this movie again I'll never watch it again like I I just sort of, I'm at a point where it's just sort of like I it just didn't you know, do anything a- for me that's how I felt about the second one. Um, and I like, I don't remember any details. Even with the, the Ivan Drago. One. See, I like the second one because of the, all the Ivan Drago stuff. Cause I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge Rocky four guy. So it kind of felt, it felt like a Rocky four sequel. Yeah. But like, I can't even really remember the details of the fights or who kind of won or how and mm-hmm. why sort of thing. I know he fights mm-hmm. Drago's son, but I don't really remember mm-hmm. the specifics or any stuff to sort of go into it. So, so I don't know. I, I, I okay, do let, plan to check this one out. I missed oh, the, I missed the press like, screening. I'm I didn't go get around to seeing Ant Man. Are you going to make a point to go see Creed three in theaters? I yes, I feel like I'm going to go out of my way to see Creed three in theaters. Dude, and see it in IMAX, and let me know. I, I, I'm I'm actually might go again. I want I want to see it in IMAX really bad because I want to see the IMAX footage. Yeah, I'm around this weekend, and I think I'm actually going to take some some time out of my way to go go check that yeah. out. Yeah, so. yeah. So I'll weigh I in love, next I week. Love about did you give a Did you give a score? I, I'm going to give it a generous three. Okay. 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 Yeah. Three, I, I exactly. Like, like that three, sound effect you're making three, is, three. is like it's the least <laughs> sexy kind of review. It's really fun when you hate something and you just want to rip into it, and it's really fun when you love yeah. something and you want to put it on your shoulders and carry it out. The the least yeah, fun reviews in the world are the ones yeah. where you just go like, eh, Jake, like Jake's you, not uh, wrong. When you when you reviewed it for for the news, did you say that you gave it three creeds out of five? Uh, <laughs> uh, all right let's take one this more weekend quick break on the, on the blend game before our blend game uh which is going to be dedicated to the rocky series which includes the creed movies and dmca all right we're good we don't have <laughs> the rights to this music <laughs> And we are back. Okay, so uh, with Creed 3 coming into theaters, we're going to play Rocky Blend and to uh, spice it up a little bit. We're not just going with a traditional what's your favorite Rocky movie. We wanted to go with a scene or a moment uh, or sequence, something about the Rocky franchise that sticks with you. And I'm going to go first because I need to cheat and I don't really care about the rules, but I have two. I have no! to pick two. You don't you have to pick two. Gabe, do something, man. It's fine. 
What the hell? Hey, <laughs> hey the king. Uh, hey. Our king gets a go you, you can discuss two. You can, here's what I'll say. You can discuss two, but you have to give me the one that I can oh, put. Oh, yeah, there we go. I'll allow it. Our records, which okay. we're eventually right. going to send to the Smithsonian. All right. Compromise. Fair enough. Fair. Okay, fair enough. So so the one that I really wanted to choose, but I won't make it my choice, um, is in Rocky 3. Uh, which, so I'm, I'm a three and four guy. I think three mm. and four are my favorites. Um, and there's Didn't a moment where Stallone for four for four. Yes. For yeah, the, it's, it's such a great ember interview. You get the it's, it's incredible. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, and in three, what I love about this is that Rocky finally is starting to, uh, accept the fact that he is a champion. He has defeated Apollo after, fighting him twice in the first two movies. And so he's letting fame go to his head a little bit. And his uh, antagonist is Clubber Lang, who's played by the, the outstanding Mr. T uh, and it's Mr. T challenging Rocky uh, and his manhood. And so Rocky is getting his statue revealed. The, the legendary statue is being revealed and it's a big day and it's all about Rocky uh, and Clubber Lang shows up and just deflates everything that's going on with them by calling him paper champion. You paper champion. You didn't fight anybody. <laughs> and then in the middle of, of ridiculing Rocky, he, he just, Mr. T and I have to believe this is improvised. He looks at Adrian and he goes, what's up lady. What's up woman. Why don't you get with a real man? <laughs> and then Stallone gets so pissed that Clubber Lang is hitting on Adrian. That's what Sheldon uh, said to Michelle the first time he met her. What'd you get with a real man? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I called her ex-boyfriend paper champion, paper champion. I think paper champion is one of the greatest insults that you could give to somebody. Paper champion. But the choice that I will go with my official choice is from Rocky four because the Rocky movies to me, um, their greatest moments are not in the rings. Um, but it's the montages that happen in between the rings. Um, most of them are training montages. Uh, there's a, but there is a montage in Rocky four because Rocky four is like excess, right? Like it's, it's, it's everything that works about the, 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 the franchise amplified to 15. And so after Apollo gets killed by Drago uh, and Adrian basically says to him, like, you can't fight Drago. You can't win. Uh, and Stallone gets in the car and, and races off. There's a montage set to No Easy Way Out, right? No Easy Way Out is first off a banger, like just a great song. Still a great song. It's got it's just 80s cheese and it still works really well. But the montage that is shown while he's driving is everything that happened in the first half of the movie. <laughs> you just rewatch all of the scenes that you just watched. You watch Apollo showing up to the fight. You watch him dying repeatedly. It's one point where he just keeps falling to the mat over and over again. But didn't Stallone tell you, and I thought this was interesting, didn't he tell you that like Rocky Four came out around the time of the emergence of MTV. So they basically just made the movie a collection of music videos. Absolutely. Yes. They and that, were. And that whenever he told you that I went, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yep. If you look at how that movie is cut together versus the previous ones, it is absolutely trying to appeal like to a, a generation who at that point is immersed in in songs and images coming together. And that's why there are multiple like that movie has hearts on fire, um, which is when he's training in Russia. 
And it's the, the intercut between Drago training in the lab and Rocky training on the mountain. Um, and then, of course, the fights in themselves. Montages are key to the Rocky franchise. My ultimate pick has to be a montage. And it's it's Stallone in the car racing to no easy way out in the middle of the movie, watching everything that happened in the beginning of the movie in case you forgot what had happened. So that's my pick. Uh, Kev, where'd you go? Um, I mean, I'm going to be going to be cliche. I'm sorry. I, I, you can't I can't not pick the stairs, the stairs. I, 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 I feel like there's that scene. But also, I think from the first Rocky, obviously. But one of the things that I, I'm the reason why I'm picking that is because the steady cam became a real big staple in filmmaking because of that film. Now, you I mean was running re- up the stairs, running, yeah, up? running up the stairs. Yeah, okay, that was gotcha, that, that was a gotcha. steady cam shot. Um, obviously yeah. the hands in the air. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have clarified that. Um, gotcha. But that's whole entire sequence you know, prior to that scene, you know, I think there was one film that may have used the steady cam prior, but Rocky kind of brought it in, 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 in my opinion, into the forefront. It showed what you could use a steady cam for, how you could run along with a character like that. Um, and I think there was just something intimate and immersive about the use of that. That was like shocking. Now I saw that, that movie later in life. Right. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't see it in theaters. So I didn't, it, the impact of a steady cam, I didn't make sense to me, you know, uh, uh, at a younger age. But as I got older, I started to understand kind of the brilliance of what that shot did and kind of what it did for audiences and kind of how it kept it. So, so intimate and so special. Um, and so mine's more of a technical answer, even though the moment is iconic. Yes, it is iconic. He runs up the stairs, out, you know, puts his arms in the air. I mean, it is an iconic like statue as you as you're talking about. But at the end of the day, to me, when I look about when I look back at that scene, I think about the, the technical marvel of it, about what they were well, able to do with it. And you know what the Steadicam allows um, that that the in previous sports movies they could cheat. Yeah. Is that you knew that was Stallone running. Oh, the yeah. entire time oh, yeah. because they don't break off of him. Right. You know, that's him running. Whereas let's say in another sort of sports movie, if you have a, someone training, you might cut to like a far shot right. and it's someone in a in a sweatsuit uh, that, that looks exactly right. like him. Right. But that's Stallone going, you know, balls right. out. And and the city's behind. I think the city joins behind him in, in part two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, if you go if you go to my Twitter, <laughs> if you go to my Twitter, I retweeted a video the other day of um, some of the first test footage they did for Steadicams. It's really cool. Like it's really it's really raw, very vulnerable. Like in, in, in a in a very crude way. Like we we didn't really know. You know, it, it was such an. I liken it to the the first time I saw Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. And saw someone use a 65 millimeter IMAX camera to film narrative storytelling. I had never like there's something about the jump in using a camera in a certain way that has then allowed the audience to be immersed in it in a, in a film differently than they've ever had before. And it's funny because like you talk about the vert, like one of the shots, the famous shots of all time is the vertigo shot, right? The dolly zoom that Hitchcock used in vertigo. It wasn't invented for vertigo. I, I think it had been used prior to that, sure, yeah. but vertigo made the shot famous because it utilized it in a narrative way that created anxiety in the audience. And obviously, you know, years later you get, you get Roy Scheider doing the dolly zoom in, in, in jaws. Um, so I think for me, the reason I picked that moment in Rocky is because not only is it iconic for the franchise and probably one of the most famous and most memorable moments in cinema history, it's just iconic. Everybody knows that moment. But for me, it's more about the shot. It's more about how it was done and, and, and the choice 
of the filmmakers to actually give us that intimate moment of we, we go up the stairs with him. We really mm-hmm. do. I mean, like we, we literally go up with him. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. Before so. we Amber? get to Jake's uh, pick, similar to Finch Facts, I'll give you some film facts a second. Could you bring up the study cam, Kevin? Uh, invented by cameraman Garrett Brown. And the film was uh, that was initially used in was in 75 for the Woody Guthrie biopic Bound for Glory. Yes. It was, oh, then, used in, it was then used in 76 uh, for Rocky, but also for Marathon Man, which is also another running montage filled movie <laughs> have you just been like holding on to those facts for 250 episodes like waiting on a moment to be able to no like, I look, guys I, guess what I look those up i produce the show while we're doing while we're going okay well done yeah. oh, well so done. while we're discussing that moment too as someone who yeah. constantly pimp pimps uh hustle with adam sandler they have great references to rocky and the training montages and him running up the steps yeah uh, in hustle between adam sandler and wancho Hernan gomez so you should definitely also, check that movie out if you uh, last thing I'll say about this, if you go back and actually watch the stair, the stair scene, like I feel like this happens a lot in 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 with films is like over the years, we start to just we remember the moment, but we don't actually remember the full exact thing of how it went down. Like like, like we know the staircase scene is a famous scene in Rocky. But when, but when was the last time you actually sat down and watched that full scene in full? And in then you context. realize like how crude and how how raw it is like like the camera the the steady cam operator is literally standing there at, and then Stallone looks like he's like so tired getting up those stairs it looks like he's like he's struggling and yeah. and then and then he just you know one run, goes over to the right and then runs up the rest of the stairs with them and you're just right there with him as he's having this like glorious moment I mean you don't that was such a pivotal filmmaking moment that mm-hmm. that scene is made because of that camera it just it just yep. is Jake, where did you go in terms of your Uh, Rocky blend? I'm going to pick the same workout montage sequence, but for a completely different reason, less from a technical angle, but more from just I am so beyond in awe and impressed at how much it is so ingrained into who I am as a person and my DNA. And that if I see a rack of meat hanging from the ceiling, my instinctive Mm -hmm. reaction is to go over and punch it. Like if I see a huge long staircase, how, how often does that happen? <laughs> you don't, I mean, excuse me. We literally have a meat packing district in Chicago, my friend. That's amazing. And that's where Jake yeah. runs in the morning before he goes to work. I have my eggs. I have my raw eggs. He's, listen, yeah. he's listening to the Rocky Chase, soundtrack. Chases, chases, yeah. chases the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, I see whether it's in Philadelphia or Rome or no matter where, like, I see a giant staircase. My instinctive reaction, it's so buried in my DNA, is to run up the staircase and hoist my arms in the air. I, and, you know, when I work out, you know, whether you, you know, if you're, if you're pulling out, you know, five or six different machines or, or or you're doing the dumbbells or whatever the case may be at a gym, you're kind of building your own personal montage in your head. And so I, to me, that's why it's my favorite because it is so like, it's so much bigger than the movie now that it has ingrained within who we are as people that if we see those moments, those opportunities, those, those similar situations anywhere in the world, we put ourselves into that moment. We become Rocky for a moment. We, we become, you know, we're in Philadelphia, no matter where you're at on the planet. And I, you know, that's, that's honestly, you know, whether it be, you know, you, maybe you're out on a boat and you see a shark. I, there's, there's so few moments that like, to me are, that have that power over me that like, if I'm in a similar situation, I instinctively do the, the similar action as the characters. So that's why I picked that because no other movie in the series 
for no other moment in the series, almost quite literally takes over my body and makes me do the same thing that the character does. Also, let's at this moment uh, celebrate Bill Conti. Uh, the Bill Conti score is yep. uh, arguably top three scores yeah. in cinema history. It's iconic, man. I'm not going to say it's, that, but I'll. You'd have I'll, to think about it, but I think it can get like iconic, top three. It's the most iconic sports score. What if we did? What if we did like a top ten list, but you couldn't repeat composers? That's, that's interesting. No, I that's actually interesting. like that. I like that. I actually like that. It's interesting. That's a, that's a great way to do it. Because, like, okay, sorry, yeah. John Williams, we can't put you eight we times on our top ten list. He can't help that he's great. No, I love it. That's what hot I'm saying. Take, we, Hans concede. Zimmer better than John Williams. Oh, hot we do no, not have time for that. Take, hot stop. take. I'm here stop for it. it. Hot take. I, 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 like Kevin says, like, I don't take. even want to engage when Kevin says bullshit like that. Like, I don't, I don't like, it's I just not, like step back. Not, I just yes, step back and wash my hands of this. Personal opinion. Come, I think I prefer Zimmer. I think, I think Hans Zimmer would be offended by that take. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I think Zimmer. Composer tier list. Composer tier list. We have to do this. I like the idea of a top 10 list, but you can't. Oh, a composer tier list. But I like the idea of a top 10 uh, uh, um, not soundtrack. Zimmer might be my favorite composer of all time. Scores, but you can't repeat the composer. Yeah. That's I think right. Zimmer might be my favorite. Picks. Uh, Jose Muniz says Rocky 2. Munoz. 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 Yes. Says Rocky 2 when he is running through the city with the kids running with him. I love it when he sprints away from them and goes up the steps. Rocky franchise is super underrated. I don't know if the Rocky franchise is underrated. Right? Isn't it? Isn't it properly rated? It's rated. Yeah, I think it's 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 it's, it's, it's rated. rated. It's rated. When, when you when you get a statue, you're pretty rated. Danny oh, Phil says Rocky Two has the best training montage. Does it though? And then I think Rocky Three has a better training montage when Apollo finally comes around and helps him train. I, I, I have a question line. for you. Do you prefer Rocky losing or Rocky winning? Losing. Losing. Always losing. Yeah. He's got to lose. Hundred percent losing. Yes. Yes. Um, or losing. Yeah. Or or learning a lesson and winning. Well, I'm okay with that losing too. to Clubber Lang and then having to tell Mickey he won as Mickey's dying is rough. Yeah, that's a rough scene. A rough scene. These these movies are really good. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I would argue there's only one bad movie in the Rocky franchise, five. and it's five. It's five. Yeah, five's awful. But but five like for a nine movie series to only have one bad movie, that's pretty damn impressive. Yes, it is. So because Rocky Creed Balboa Creed ended up being bad. much better than. Oh, it's, it's not. not right. It's not. Five. It's not good, but it's not bad. No. My problem with right. Balboa was they, I think, if I remember correctly, this may have been, I could be mixing this up around the time where like digital filmmaking was starting to become a bigger deal. And they shot like those, the main fight in some weird high def. It was like the it, yes. effect. Yeah. It was like the same effect I had because I love the movie Collateral, but I don't like the way it's shot. And mm-hmm. I think there was something like in Public Enemy was another uh, another uh, uh, um, example of this where like the, they just didn't have video right yet it wasn't it didn't like we're at a place now where video can look like armageddon time he can you know james gray can make it look like 35 um but those movies especially about balboa i remember thinking wait this looks like a tv show it just it just looked almost like 
too high def <laughs> in a in a weird in a weird way. Um, but that was I also that you. transitionary period and and going through. That's why Fincher basically waited until digital was right for him to switch because uh, he was so, filmed for forever. So this is interesting. I wonder how they did it. I'm this is according to IMDb. It looks like it was shot on video HD, but also 35 Kodak Vision yeah, I think, two. I think 35 was the movie, and then I think they shot the fight in video. I think I think the bit, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. I think the bit was I think the way they designed it was that it was supposed to look like you were going into a a pay per view, like like you were watching a I don't know how to explain so it. Maybe but, a little creatively, a little ahead of its time. But the jump from the thirty five to the digital was so jarring; yeah. it was almost like too jarring. I, I could be botch, botching that, but I think I have that right. But yeah. uh, one last one, Sebs uh, says. I'm really not joking when I say that it is the Yo Adrian I did it, uh, one of the most quotable movie moments of all time, which I yeah. think is a fantastic line. It's just yeah. incredible. Uh, thank you everybody for participating this week. Look forward to next week when we are playing hashtag Scream Blend. So let us know your pick via email. Wait, is Scream uh, out next week? Yes, it is. Oh my god! And I will highlight tenth. We want to do the same scream moment across the franchise. So moment, moment. of scene. Yes. Okay. That's I think right. you're muted if you're talking to it. I do yeah, kind of want to say that's a good idea. We should do yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah I want to do it because there are several that come to mind. I want to do a Gabe the franchise, said, but I like Gabe's score idea. I do like that. Oh, I think I that's that a too. terrific idea. Well, I think it's, you, you know, gotta be we, here to defend your boy. I well, know no, he's, he's, he deserves a majority of the slots. Yes, but otherwise, we're going to pick. Yeah, but that's, just that's a different but list. All Gabe is doing is is making a blend game with 10, 10 slots. So it's like we have to choose the best Williams, yeah. best Zimmer, best you know Ooh. Horner, best. Yeah. But again, you know, but again, uh, exactly. The, these are the parameters that I'm pitching. It's fun. It's, it's a top I, ten best scores, but you right. can't repeat your composer. So. Correct. That makes it a little bit different where you're not going, yeah. okay, here are 10 composers. What are their best? And we rank them based on who they are. It's you're saying like, this is the best Some have to score. be in there. Like John Carpenter has to be in there. If you Carpenter get to 10. has to be in there for Halloween. Yeah. I maybe, mean, maybe yeah. I mean, we, we can easily find 10. And Ludwig Goransson's oh going to yes. be in there. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be. I like this because. We're not going to get past Zimmer because Kevin's not going to let Interstellar go. But what Williams? That is his best score. I, I honestly don't know what Williams one we would that's the, beaut- that's the beauty of it, though. The answer is Jaws. Best score in the, uh, ever. Is Jaws is better than Star Wars? Yes. Oh, I don't agree. We've First off, it's we've Superman. We're, we're, it's okay, we're talking. We're also talking best. And again, yeah. the, I, I cannot emphasize best. the fact that like it is a score that if you were to go to anyone on the street, anyone in the middle of Times Square, and no, whistle no. two notes, they would know what it is. Yeah. People would know yeah. Star Wars more than Jaws. No, no, that's yes, not wrong. You in two wrong. notes. Wait, wait, wait. In two notes. In two yeah, notes. The opening, the opening of the Star Wars theme is more famous than the you Jaws. You can't theme. even. You can't even okay, get more, the opening. More in. people casually like whistle or, or or sing the Jaws theme when they're playing at a beach or in a pool. Okay. No, than, no, they sing do. it. They sing Jaws. Yeah. Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. Jake, I can't believe I'm saying Jaws. I, I think you're sleeping on how big of a deal the Star Wars theme is. I don't it's think it's really it's really massive. Massive. It's massive. disturbingly big. Like, like it's I'm, not, I'm not discounting the, the power of the Star Wars scores collectively as a whole, but Heaven's none not of them. Uh, Munich. Yeah. God's sakes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is 
pretty pretty big deal. I mean, I, I would. Well, Jaws is like it's not like it's one of his lesser scores. Wait, yeah, we right. cannot I mean, begin only, this debate at the end I of the episode. There were there were it more Star minimalist. Wars movies. And there were more opportunities to hear that's that the theme argument. I think that's the argument Jaws. that Jake's making. It's more effective in fewer notes, and that, and therefore, it's okay. easier to recognize. Well, we're, yeah. we're we're getting ahead of ourselves because next week is hashtag Scream Blend. So please focus yeah. on Scream Blend and not the Composer Blend, which we're going to get to eventually. Our next oh, premium I can't episode, wait for that, which drops on Monday, is the box office game, which is always a lot of fun. Check the description below for more information on how to sign up. I'm telling you guys, you're going to want to subscribe to the show. We have some really really fun interviews coming up. Uh, for some of the major films that are coming out in March, and we are efforting for some bigger things uh, as the year progresses. This is going to be the year of Real Blend, as opposed to the previous ones up to this point. Yeah. Uh, they were warm-ups for <laughs> the we things that we want to do this year. Phoning it in 100%. Yes, Gabriel. Uh, the final tease for next week. This is our last show before the Oscars next week, which means we are doing our awards oh. predictions. I want you three Wait, to prepare. But the Oscars haven't happened yet? And I want the audience (laughs) at home to prepare. Yeah. Is Cocaine Bear eligible? How have the Oscars not happened yet? Because the system is deeply flawed. (laughs) It's it's really broken. Uh, Follow us on social media. At Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach. And the show is at Real Blend. We'll be back next week with something uh, fun and exciting and um, enjoyable. Wait, we have have, have some... Give some we have, good guests next week. We have week. a lot. We might have a bonus episode that if everything goes well. It's a big weekend for us. We have a lot coming in March. I'll so. say we might have a return guest next week. Yes. 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 Plan. <laughs> Until then. <laughs> Go space. Oh, Pop, yeah. well, Poppenheimer. Barbie. Barbie. Pop Killian. Poppenheimer.